you for joining the ladies of Her Portion Podcast. Come, pull up a seat at the table, because you are welcome here. Grab your Bible and a pen, and let's dig into God's Word together. Take a moment and pray that God would open your heart to Him as you listen. So without further ado, let's get right into today's portion. Hey guys, it's me, Courtney. I'm starting off this month of February, and our topic is love one another. What a perfect topic for February. So when I started studying this out in my Bible, um, actually, there are a lot of Bible verses about loving one another. Seriously, a quick search will tell you the truth. If you don't believe me, just look it up. But Jonathan Swift, the writer of Gulliver's Travels, said, we have just enough religion to make us hate, but not enough to make us love one another. Warren Wearsby said, the main evidence of maturity in the Christian life is a growing love for God and for God's people, as well as a love for lost souls. It has been said that love is the circulatory system of the body of Christ. I love that thought. Love is the circulatory system of the body of Christ. So charity, we know, is another word for love that's used in the Bible. Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines it as love in a general sense, or that disposition of the heart which inclines men to think favorably of their fellow men and to do them good. Love without action is just talk. When the Bible talks about love, it talks about it as an action, not how you feel, but how love can actually be seen in the things that you do. So what does it mean to love one another? There's a couple things that I think the Bible teaches that it means to love one another. Number one, I think it means not talking bad about one another. James 4.11 says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge." Number two, I think it means restoring or helping to adjust each other. Galatians 6, 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Number three, I think it means putting others before ourselves. Romans 12, 10 says, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. So, why is it important to love one another? I also think the Bible tells us this point blank. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. I think that is the key. Love covers the multitude of sins. Look, we are all sinners, and love is the only thing that's able to cover those sins. To allow us to look past the sin in the lives of others, we must have love. Without love, it's easy for hate to take root in our hearts and choke out everything good that God has planted there. The Strong's Concordance defines fervent as intent without ceasing. And, you know, because I'm extra, I defined the word intent. And I love this definition. It says, it means having the mind strained or bent on an object, hence fixed closely. One commentator put it like this, where love abounds in a fellowship of Christians, many small offenses and even some large ones are readily overlooked and forgotten. But when love is lacking, every word is viewed with suspicion. Every action is liable to misunderstanding and conflicts about to Satan's perverse delight. 
Spurgeon said this, Love covers, that is, it never proclaims the errors of good men. There are busybodies abroad who never spy out a fault in a brother, but they must hurry off to their next neighbor with the savory news, and then they run up and down the street as though they had been elected common criers. It is by no means honorable to men or women to set up to be common informers. Yet, I know some who are not half so eager to publish the gospel as to publish slander. Love stands in the presence of a fault with a finger on her lip. Wow. One of the most famous passages, as we know, on love comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul is setting some things straight in the church, okay? So he was dealing with some of the problems that were in the church. So we're going to go through verses 1 through 8 together. Verse 1 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. So you can say all the right things, but if you don't have love, your words don't matter. Verse 2 says, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. So you can believe all the right things, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. Verse 3, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So you can do all the right things, but if you don't have love, it's for nothing. All these things listed in these first three verses of the chapter are good things, but apart from love, every good thing is useless. So then moving on verses four through eight, they talk specifically about the characteristics of love. Verse four actually mentions two things that love is. So verse four says, charity suffereth long and is kind. So that are that is two things that charity is. And then this passage goes on to show us eight things that love is not. So verse four goes on to say, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. So envious, being envious. Uh, Matthew Henry said, it is not grieved at the good of others, neither at their gifts, nor at their good qualities, their honors, nor their estates. If we love our neighbor, we shall be so far from envying his welfare or being displeased with it that we shall share in it and rejoice in it. I learned something about envy while I was studying for this episode. Actually, envy killed Abel, it enslaved Joseph, and it put Jesus on the cross. Verse 4 also says, vaunteth not itself. That word vaunteth means boasting. Love doesn't parade itself around. It doesn't need the attention. And then it also says, is not puffed up. That means inflated or proud or big-headed. Verse 5 goes on to say, doth not behave itself unseemly or unbecoming. Matthew Henry said, charity acts decently in its own station and minding its own business without taking upon it demand or censure or despise the conduct of others. Charity will do nothing that misbecomes it. Verse 5 goes on to say, seeketh not her own. That means love is not selfish. It's not me-centered and me-first, but it's others-minded. Verse 5 goes on, it is not easily provoked. That means it's not easily excited or made angry or offended. Then it goes on to say, thinketh no evil. One commentator said, real love never supposes that a good action may have a bad motive. The original implies that he does not invent or devise any evil. So verse number 6 goes on to say, rejoiceth not in iniquity but rejoiceth in truth. We shouldn't be happy with evil, but only with truth. And then we finish off with the four things that love is. 
it goes on to say in verse number seven, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. So Spurgeon calls these love's four sweet companions. And you know I love when the Bible uses those absolute terms like all. And here it definitely means all things, all of them, not some of them, not part of them, but all of them. Beareth all things means to roof over, that is to cover with silence. Did you get that? Cover with silence, all things. Spurgeon said, I would, my brothers and sisters, that we could all imitate the pearl oyster. A hurtful particle intrudes itself into its shell, and this vexes and grieves it. It cannot eject the evil. And what does it do but cover it with a precious substance extracted out of its own life, by which it turns the intruder into a pearl? Oh, that we could do so with the provocations we receive from our fellow Christians, so that pearls of patience, gentleness, long-suffering, and forgiveness might be bred within, might be bred within us by that which has harmed us. That is a beautiful picture of bearing all things in love. The Bible goes on to say, believeth all things. That means to have faith in a person or a thing. That is credit. Spurgeon said, Love as far as she can believes in her fellows. I know some persons who habitually believe everything that is bad, but they are not the children of love. I wish the chatterers would take a turn at exaggerating other people's virtues and go from house to house, trumping up pretty stories of their acquaintances. The Bible goes on to say, hopeth all things. That means to expect or confide, to trust. Love hopes for the best. It isn't pessimistic or dreary. Then the Bible goes on to say, endureth all things. That means to undergo, bear trials, have fortitude, persevere, abide, tarry, not recede or flee, but to bear bravely and calmly. We aren't called to endure some things, but all things. And then the Bible goes on to say in verse number eight, charity never faileth. That word faileth means to drop away, to be driven out of one's course, become inefficient, to fall away, take none effect. So the Bible says, charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Prophecies shall fail. They shall be done away with. Tongues shall cease. Our bodies won't live forever. And knowledge will vanish away. But love never fails. It is permanent and lasting and will be perfected in heaven. I think God placed this chapter on the right exercise of love right after chapter 12 that talks about gifts because he wants us to see that it's not our gifts that are the main thing. Yes, use what the Lord has given you to bring glory to him, but love is the true gift. We all know that we won't be perfect or complete until Jesus comes, but we should always be growing and maturing until he does come. Verse 9 says, For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Verse 10, But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. One of the commentaries I was reading on this chapter said that we could easily take the word charity out of this passage and replace it with Jesus, and it would still make perfect sense. But what if you replaced it with your name? Would it sound totally ridiculous? I challenge you to go read Galatians 5, and 23 and match up the fruits of the Spirit with these verses on love. I did that in my Bible and kind of jotted down the fruits of the Spirit right here beside what they go along with in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. All of the fruits of the Spirit, the evidence of a life controlled by the Spirit, are found in these verses on love. 
Love is one of the best evidences of a mature Christian. Are you loving one another and showing the evidence of it? Thank you for joining us today on Her Portion. We hope you leave with plenty to ponder from God's Word. We encourage you to use today's topic to start your own study in the Scriptures. Until next time.